I believe that some of the most frustrated people living today are people who are actually saved. God has redeemed them, but they're not living in sync with the Holy Spirit. They're saved. They belong to God, but they're not living in sync with the Holy Spirit. I believe that the most fulfilled people on the planet, the most fulfilled people on the planet, are people who not only are saved by God, but are filled by His Spirit. Are people who understand what it means to live in sync with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, why do I say that? I hope by the end of this morning's message, you'll have a clear understanding of why this is something that I'm espousing, that I'm tossing out there. But the, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. He is the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, and he is in us. If you're a believer, God's spirit is in you. He lives within you. And so this morning, we want to talk about what it means to be spirit-filled. And one of the ways we understand what it means to be spirit-filled is by understanding more of who the spirit is and what he does in us and what he does through us. Who the spirit is, what he does in us, and what he does through us. Let's just firstly, for a moment, talk about who the Spirit is. And I recognize that last year, we spent five weeks on this subject. So I'm gonna encapsulate five sermons in one right now. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Lord. This is from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So here we have Paul, the apostle, naming the spirit as Lord. And we know that the spirit is the third person of the triune God. And he is in us. He is in us. And so Jesus talks about what God's spirit, what his spirit will be doing when he leaves, when Jesus leaves. This is John 16, 5 to 11. I read a portion of this last week, so, sorry, starting at verse seven. But I tell you the truth, it is good for you that I'm going away, Jesus says. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He then explains all three. In regard to sin, because people don't believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can no longer see me. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So he offers three of the ways that God's spirit will work in us. The first way that he offers in which God's spirit will work in us is salvation. God's spirit is instrumental in our salvation. The second in which he talks about is sanctification, the process of us becoming like Christ. And the third is our sealing and what it means that we're actually uh, uh, sealed in Christ and that our salvation is secure. It's our security, our sealing. So let's look at the infilling just for a minute. Peter and John have just been released from prison. They gather to where the believers are. Their believers all prayed together. This is in Acts 4, and you find this at the end. After they prayed, the place where the meeting was was, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Did you hear that? All of the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. God's spirit in a powerful way had owned them. And in that ownership, they were speaking the word of God boldly. 
In Acts 13, the word of God says this, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So at that time, the word of God had spread all through Antioch. As it had spread through Antioch, a number of people who were in opposition to the truth that Jesus was the Lord began to speak against Paul and Barnabas. And as they spoke against Paul and Barnabas, there was persecution that ensued. Paul and Barnabas then, after having saved, uh, or sorry, preached and watching God save a number of people, had discipled them. And then they left the region because of the persecution that was ensuing and as they left the, the, the region, it says that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Not because they were leaving, but because they saw God's work. They saw God's work clearly. But again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We see this on the day of Pentecost, where Jesus is clear that, that the Spirit of God will come, will fall on them with power. And they were able to speak the gospel in languages of different people who come from around the world. That's what's occurring at Pentecost as, as the Spirit fills them, as the Spirit grants them this infilling. So God's Spirit today, if you're a believer listening to my voice right now, God's Spirit is in you. He's in you. And God's Spirit in you longs to guide you, longs to walk with you, longs to show you how to be more like Christ. So let's look at some of the roles of the Holy Spirit, right? As he fills us, here are some of the things that God's Spirit does. In my life, I can feel the nod, uh, the nudging and the prodding of the Holy Spirit. I know that he's directing me. He's my counselor and guide. Some people ask, do I hear an audible voice? My answer is no, in the sense that I have conversations with the Spirit. I don't have these prolonged conversations with him. But have I ever heard the Holy Spirit offer me a name, a place, a time that is very audible? The answer is yes, I have on a variety of occasions. So though it's not like I feel like I have a conversation with him where I talk, he talks, I talk, he talks, and there's this continual dialogue, as I'm listening for God's direction in my life, it often comes in proddings, it comes in nudgings, but at times he's also very directly spoken to me a word, a name, a place that I know is something very specific that he wants me to do, encounter, be a part of, um, whether it's witness or, or, or encouragement. So let's look at some of the roles of the Holy Spirit. The first is this, and not in terms of order, just in terms of how I've written it down. The Holy Spirit's role in salvation. I looked at this last week. You can go back to my sermon last week to hear it uh, in, in, in a greater, de greater detail. So this is John 16 again. And Jesus says, in regard to the sin, in regard to sin, the Spirit of God is coming because people no longer believe in him. So God's Spirit is gonna convict people of their need for Jesus. God's Spirit is going to convict people of their need for Jesus as Savior when they understand the weight of their sin and realize there's no one they can turn to, there's nothing they can do but trust Jesus as Savior. Listen to these words. This is Acts 1, 7 and 8. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. That's when Jesus will return. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. What are they receiving power for? Power for witness. You will receive power when the Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You'll be able to share and proclaim the gospel. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In, in the place where you are, in the neighboring place, and around the world. Titus 3, 4 to 6 says this, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. So again, a passage about salvation. 
not because of righteous things we had done, not because of us, but because of his own mercy. God's mercy allows us to be saved. Then he extrapolates, he explains. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, instrumental again in salvation, whom he poured out on us generously. Whom he poured on us generously. That's the Spirit being poured on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. And then lastly, the passage I looked at last week, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, Paul says, My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on people's wisdom, but on God's power. So again, you see here the work of God's Spirit in salvation. God's Spirit enables us to come to a place of repentance and belief in the accomplished work of Christ. We rely on him for our salvation and we rely on him as we evangelize and share the gospel with others. But the Holy Spirit also sanctifies us. Not only is he instrumental in salvation, but he's also instrumental in sanctification. This is again, John 16. Jesus says, in regard to righteousness, the spirit of God's going to come because I am going to the father where you can no longer see me. What does that mean? Jesus is saying, when I was here with you on earth, I was the standard for holiness. People will say this, if you want to know what God would do if God were here, look at what Jesus did because Jesus was God with us. If you want to know what God would do if God were here, look at Jesus because Jesus was God with us. And so everyone could understand what God would do because Jesus was here. Now that Jesus is no longer physically here with us, we rely on the Spirit of God who is in us to allow us to understand what God would do, to convict us, to sanctify us, to bring us to a better understanding and place of what it means to walk with Him. Let me give a couple other passages. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 But we always ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and belief in the truth. So again, you see the salvation work here of the Spirit, right? But also, it's his sanctifying work. So both are mentioned here. His work of salvation in our lives and his sanctifying work. It's of the Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 2 says this, We have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Christ Jesus and sprinkling by his blood. So you see here that the Spirit of God sanctifies us. In what way? Sanctification is the process of God's Spirit enabling us to become like Christ. And where the work of salvation is God's spirit opening our eyes to the truth, sanctification is a joint process where God's spirit and our spirit are working together to become like Christ. But God's spirit opens our eyes to what holiness is like, to God's worldview, to God's perspective. Because our perspective has been so tainted by sin because sin has washed its way into every part of our lives. So the way we think about money, the way we think about family, the way we think about power, the way we think about the environment, the way we think about forgiveness, the way we think about love, the way we think about joy and peace and hope, all of those things, purpose, desire, you name them, they've all been tainted by sin, all of them. And so God's spirit begins to sanctify us and he begins to show us God's view of family, God's view of money. God's view of love, God's view of joy, God's view of forgiveness, God's view of hope. And his spirit convicts us so that we're able to live our lives according to how God would have them be lived.
That's sanctification. And he points out for us areas in our life where we fall short and how we can become more like Christ. The Holy Spirit is at work in salvation. The Holy Spirit is at work in sanctification. The Holy Spirit is also our sealer. He's our security, right? Jesus says this in John 16, in regard to judgment, because the prince of the world now stands condemned. One of Satan's greatest tactics is to try to convince you that you are condemned. But praise God, there is no condemnation for anyone in Christ Jesus. Is that not great news? There is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus today. But the enemy is condemned. Satan is condemned. He wants to flip it and make you feel like you're condemned when actual, in reality, it's Satan who's condemned. And Jesus says, my spirit is in you to remind you that when it comes to judgment, you will not be condemned, but the enemy will be. The prince of this world now stands condemned. Ephesians 1 says this, verse 13, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, that seal is the promised Holy Spirit. Who is your deposit? Guaranteeing your inheritance. Did you hear that? Your deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. It's a done deal. Until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We are secure in Christ. Our salvation belongs to the Lord. And it's his granted to us. But the spirit also has a role in scripture. Hear this in Acts 1. In those days, Peter, the apostle, stood up among the believers and he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture has been fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David. Again, 2 Peter 1. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. So you see that the Spirit of God is instrumental in the creation of scripture. What does that mean? It means that every time I open the Bible, every time I open God's word, I can say, Spirit of God, I can't understand this on my own. But you carried human authors along to write the very words you wanted written. Would you reveal truth to me? Would you show me what this means? Would you help me to apply it to my life? If the Spirit of God helped the Word of God to be written, then the Spirit of God can help me to understand it. The role of the Holy Spirit in gifting us. Word of God says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same work of God. Did you hear that? This is from 1 Corinthians 12. The same spirit is distributing the different gifts. It's God who's doing it. Verse seven. And now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given a spirit of message of wisdom. To another, of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that same spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, discernment, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. And all of these are the work of the one and the same spirit who gives them, distributes them to everyone as he determines. 
again, it's bookended by this right here. The Spirit of God determines your gifting. What does that mean? If God has determined the gifting that we have, it means when we go to him to ask him the gifts he's given us. Spirit of God, would you reveal the gift you've given me? And then secondly, Spirit of God, would you show me how you want me to use it? Why have you given me this gift? So early in my, in my, in my Christian life, and when I understood that it was the Spirit of God who granted me gifts, I would like, be like, Spirit of God, show me my gifts and show me how to use them. Once I understood what my gifts were, I then wanted him to show me how to use them because I knew the Spirit had given me those gifts for a purpose, for a reason. So today, if you're confused about your gifting, you go to the Spirit of God and say, Spirit of God, show me the gifts you've given me and show me how you want me to use them. So did you, did you catch this? The Holy Spirit is instrumental in evangelism, our salvation and the salvation of others. Instrumental in our sanctification and Christ-likeness. Instrumental in our sealing and our security. Instrumental in scripture and our understanding the truths about it. Instrumental in our areas of service and the gifts that God has given us and allowing us to serve others. He's our counselor and guide. What does that mean? Why do we need to be filled by the Spirit? Because God's Spirit is instrumental in every single aspect and part of our life. Did you catch that? If I'm to read scripture every day, I need the Spirit of God to work in my life every day to understand scripture. If I'm to serve him every day and he's the one who's gifted me, I need the Spirit of God to guide me in that. I know every day I need to be sanctified, so I need God's Spirit to be working in me to help me understand the areas of my life that need to be cleaned up so I'm more like Christ. If it's God's Spirit that allows me to truly share the gospel with people and allows their eyes to be open to see Christ, and I want to be an evangelistic witness for Christ on a regular basis, then I need God's Spirit to work in and through me so that that would be true, which means I need to be filled with the Spirit because I need Him for every single aspect of the Christian life, for all of these areas. The filling of the Spirit isn't just this momentary uh, 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 point or peak in time. It's a continual filling because I need God's Spirit every day and all through the day, every moment of the day, because I'm looking for him to lead, to guide, to help me understand scripture, to witness, to be sanctified. I need him continually and constantly. But one of the things we need to be careful of is we can grieve or quench the spirit. Listen to this. In Mark three, the word of God says this, truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven for all of their sin, for any slander that they utter. But those who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. What is that eternal sin? It is the eternal sin of God's Spirit being at work in the life of someone, calling them to repentance and belief in Jesus and them saying no. Them just saying, no, I won't have anything to do with that. No, I won't have anything to do with that. That is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit where you continue to push him aside as he is drawing you to Christ and you say, no, no, I don't want Jesus. I don't want him. And anyone who determines they don't want Jesus is forever cast from him. They get exactly what they want. They don't get Jesus. But believers can also grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 5 says this, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold onto the good. Don't put out or quench the Spirit's fire. When you know that it's God's Spirit at work in you, don't quench God's Spirit. Don't put out its fire. 
When you know it's God's spirit revealing to you truth about the word, when you know it's God's spirit encouraging you to serve in a certain capacity, when you know it's God's spirit pointing out sin in your life that you need to deal with, when you know it's God's spirit that's reminding you of your salvation and what it means that you're secure in Christ, do not quench or put out the spirit of God. He's at work in you purposely and for reason. Ephesians 4.30 says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Again, a reminder of the sealing. But here, Paul says, don't grieve God's spirit. Do not grieve the spirit of God. And so we need to be people that are careful that we're not grieving or quenching the spirit of God. What is grieving or quenching the spirit of God is rebelling against him. It's diminishing or quenching his still small voice. It's refusing to follow the way he's calling us to, or to listen to his call. So practically, what does this look like? Well, I would say practically when it comes to evangelism, we pray. We pray that the spirit of God would work in someone's life and save them. This morning, as I was leaving my house to go to the office, I bumped into an old friend who had come to faith under our ministry at Houston. I met this guy maybe, I'm gonna say 22 years ago. I was asked, to meet him at Living Rock Ministries. He was living on the street of Hamilton. And uh, um, friends of his who were very concerned about him, older friends who knew me had called and said, we're praying that God will give you a chance to talk to him. I remember praying that whole day that God would give me a chance to talk to him. I went to the Rock that night, the Living Rock. I was actually speaking there that night. He wasn't there. On my way home, walking from the Rock, I bumped into him on the street of Hamilton. We engaged in a conversation he was really hardened. His face was all done with makeup. His, his, he had like studs all over his hands and he'd worked out, his arms were huge. And I thought at one point in the conversation, he was actually gonna hit me. But God's spirit gripped his heart that night. This doesn't happen commonly in my ministry. And that very night, God saved him. That very night, God opened his eyes to the truth. He now lives in a different city. He happened to be working in Hamilton today. And as he was driving by my house, I was coming out and he just pulled over for a few minutes. It was seven this morning and stopped to say hi and talked to me. I talked to him for a few minutes and we just had a great conversation about what it meant that God was still at work in his life and how his family was doing. And I was just so thankful to see him. But you pray that God will save because you can't do it. As you're sharing the gospel with people, oh God, spirit of God, would you open their eyes? Spirit of God, would you convict them of their sin? Spirit of God, would you show them the truth? It means that we pray that way when it comes to sanctification. Oh God, Spirit of God, I know that my whole worldview has been affected by the world itself. My whole ideology, my whole philosophy, the way I view money, the way I view forgiveness, the way I view love, the way I view family, it's all been affected by sin. It's all been affected by the enemy. Spirit of God, would you sanctify me? Spirit of God, would you reveal truth to me? It's how we pray. And all of a sudden what God does is he begins to show you things in your life that you never thought were sinful, that you never thought were wrong. And God begins to bring conviction about you. I mean, I've walked with the Lord for a long time now, for decades. And still to this day, as I was cycling around the bay this morning and praying, God was revealing things to me. He was saying, Dwayne, what about this? Dwayne, is your spirit in check? Or Dwayne, when you told that story at staff meeting yesterday, was it so that you would get credit or I would get credit? God's still at work in my life, revealing my sin to me and showing me what it means to be more like Jesus. So that needs to be our constant prayer. When we open scripture, it's the same thing. Every time I open his word, every time I open this book, I'm like, God, I can't understand this. God, this is beyond me. This is supernatural. 
So Spirit of God, would you reveal the truth of this word to me? We need God. I mean, one of the reasons most of us have a hard time reading scripture is because we can't understand it. And God's Spirit, who helped direct the authors to write the very words that were written, is in you. He's in you. And he can help you understand the word. When it comes to our gifting, it's the same thing. So many Christians come to me frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. I don't know what my gift is. The beginning point is saying, Spirit of God, you've gifted me. Show me the ways you've gifted me and show me how you would have me use those gifts. Show me what that looks like and be satisfied in the way that he has distributed those gifts to you because he's wired you for them. Man, if you have the gifts of helps or the gifts of mercy, if, 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 if you have the gifts of discerning spirits, whatever your gift may be, be thankful for the gift that God has given you and ask the Spirit of God to show you how to use the very gift that he's granted you. And let him be your counselor and guide. Let him be the one to direct you. That's part of his filling. So people come to me and ask, and it's happened a lot lately as I've toured people through the new building. And I'm so excited that we'll be in there in a few weeks. People have asked me, why have you stayed at Houston Street for 25 years? Like, why haven't you moved on? And the answer is simple because God's spirit hasn't let me. Some people ask me, am I, am I waiting for a certain size of church? The answer is no. Am I waiting for a significant more money? The answer is no, no, no. Job offers that come my way here and again, right? Often, often at times are of more sizable churches and, and sometimes have been significantly larger salaries. That's not what should move us from one place to another. What will move me from Houston one day will be that God's spirit will say, you are released from here because I'm calling you there. Now that will be done because I'm married with Amy and I together praying and thinking through that. But in our everyday decisions, the spirit of God needs to be our counselor and guide. Oh God, I don't know where to go. How often do we feel that way? Oh God, I don't know what to do. Oh God, I'm... let God's spirit guide us. Let God's spirit direct us. So why do we need to be filled with the spirit? because he helps us to understand the word. He reminds us what it means that we're saved. He sanctifies us, his spirit with our spirit. He guides and directs us. And he shows us the gifts he's granted us and how to use them. And when you realize how many of those things you do every day or should be doing every day, you realize why we need to be filled with the spirit. Because if I'm going to serve the Lord daily, if I'm going to read scripture daily, if I want the Lord to sanctify me daily, if I want to be directed and guided by him daily, if I'm praying that I can share the gospel with different people daily, if those are the things that I'm looking to do, then I need his infilling daily. And so I need to learn to rely on the spirit of God. Because the most frustrated people on the planet, some of the most frustrated people on the planet, are people who've been saved, who never learned to rely on God's spirit and are frustrated because they live these carnal Christian lives that never see God's work powerfully used through them. And the most satisfied people on the planet are the people who understand that God's spirit is in them and watch God's spirit sanctify them, use them in the salvation of others, use their gifts, help them understand scripture, lead and guide them. And they know that it's God who's doing it through them. Would you pray with me? 
Spirit of God, we come before you today and our simple cry is this. Help us to know you. Help us to know how you long to work in our lives. We're thankful that you're in us. And so today, help us to become more familiar with who you are and what you're doing and how you long to direct us. We need you. So walk with us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.